0: All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Can you all hear me in the back there? Okay, okay, good. So good morning and welcome to the community building breakout session here at the NEN conference. Um, my name is Una Gillis-Weil, and I'm the program director of San Francisco SAFE. San Francisco Safe is a nonprofit that's been serving the community of San Francisco since 1977, and we've been very active in um, building community through crime prevention, education, community building programs, um, and specifically Neighborhood Watch. And so there's a lot of brochures down at the resource fair at our table there that if you want more information about Neighborhood Watch or San Francisco Safe in general, I um, point you in that direction to get more resources. Uh, Today, I'm very honored and excited to be the moderator of this session and to be up here on this stage with some of the finest of San Francisco's community organizers. Um, Through this whole process of putting together this workshop, we've realized that we have a lot of things that we share in common. One of those is a belief that with more than one person a whole community can come together and build strength and build power and make changes. And I think that's really the emphasis of everything that we're doing here today, is trying to network with one another and trying to share ideas and and build ourselves into a more positive future. So that's why we're all here. I'm very glad to see you all have come to our session in the morning, and I hope that through this workshop you will get some of the answers that you have in terms of how to how to take that next step in terms of organizing your own neighborhoods and how to learn from those that have come before you to forge a way into improving the city, which is something that we all hold very dear. Um, I also wanted to say that just in terms of the format we're using today, we're we're going to be really flexible. We're starting out the workshop just a a general introduction into who we are and who we serve in the city and uh, some of our experiences as well as the tools and strategies that we've identified to be successful. Um, And then we're really going to open it up for you all to decide where you want it to go. We have question cards in the back that I hope all of you grabbed, and through those question cards, we'll be able to answer the questions that you have. We don't know if some of you might just want to start a neighborhood watch group or start a neighborhood association and want to know the first step of how to do that, and some of you might have been very active in your communities already and have come up across some challenges along the way that you want to have answers for. So we really want it to come from you and be more of a discussion than us up here lecturing on, on what we've found to be successful. So that's uh, the way the workshop is going to go. Um, at this point, I'm just going to pass it along to our panelists to introduce themselves and to talk about their organizations. Thank you again for coming.
1: Hello, my name is Cheryl Davis. I'm program director for the Mo Magic, which... Um, is Western Edition Fillmore Mobilization of Adolescent Growth in Our Communities. I'm a resident of the Western Edition and had been doing work in the community before this program was organized. Uh, Mo Magic is an expansion of a program called Bayview Magic, Be Magic, out of the Public Defender's Office. It started in. Um, The Bayview-Hunters Point area in 2004. Last year, Supervisor Mercurimi from District 5 liked the work that was being done with Bee Magic and wanted to see it expanded to the Western Edition. Um, And as of November of last year, the program was organized. The the program seeks to bring community-based organizations, city agencies, city departments, community members, residents from the area together to talk about how to leverage resources and how to best serve the community and how we can all work together. we meet every other week in the Western Edition to discuss that. Even though it's focused on the Western Edition, we work with, try to work with everyone in District 5. It has a youth focus, but in serving the youth, we have to work with their families, and we have to talk about how the youth during school hours and after school hours affect the entire community and how we as a community can work together to make uh, things better for the youth as well as for the neighborhood. So that's the
2: yeah, welcome. I'm Mark Christensen. I am Vice President of the Merced Extension Triangle Neighborhood Association. The Merced Extension Triangle Neighborhood Association is bordered by Brotherhood to the north, Juniper Serra to the west, 280 to the east and south, along with Bright Street. Uh, we're a fairly new organization. We were founded in 2000, so we've only been uh, an association for seven years. My background is I'm a third-generation San Franciscan. I'm a teacher in the San Francisco Unified School District, and I'm co-founder of METNA. What we do is we publish a newsletter four times a year. We have meetings four times a year. Uh, And the reason we have meetings only four times a year is we've decided that it's it's best not to meet too often, because if, if we meet too often, we're going to probably water down our base. By meeting quarterly, we usually get between 35 and 75 people to attend a neighborhood meeting. We represent about uh, 500 to 600 homes in our, in our area. And uh, I have newsletters uh, later on, copies of newsletters if you're interested to take with you, and we'll talk more about that later.
3: Hello, good morning. I'm Judy Berkowitz. I'm president of the Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods. Uh, CSFN uh, is a 35-year-old organization. It has 45 uh, organizations as members. The members of CSFN are not individuals but organizations, and each organization sends delegates to Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods monthly meetings. We also have a monthly newsletter. Uh, Many of our organizations' uh, delegates uh, sit on uh, citizens' advisory committees and um, are... uh, active in big ticket, the big overall citywide uh, uh, issues in San Francisco. One of the things that uh, we have completed recently is the water rates, which were threatening to be sky high for neighborhoods, are now, we didn't completely win the battle, but we got them down to uh, uh, something something decent. Um, Whenever there's something on uh, Channel 26, you'll probably see somebody from Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods testifying in front of a board, a commission, a committee. Um, Other things that we have done in the past, uh, the recent past are the housing element, uh, Better Neighborhoods Planning and Implementation, and um, we actually were the genesis of Uh, the sponsoring organization for this meeting today, Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Services sprang from Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhood's uh, presence at City Hall and the Neighborhood Desk. Thank you.
4: Hello. My name is Leela Gill, and I am the president of the North of Panhandle Neighborhood Association. We call ourselves NOPNA. And um, there are a couple of other board members here, too. I want to point them out in the back of the room. Dan and Jari, who uh, are also available to answer questions later if you you have questions. Uh, A little bit about north of Panhandle. Our neighborhood is north of the Golden Gate Panhandle, bordered by Divisadero and Masonic and Turk to Streets. We have about uh, 3,000 residents in our neighborhood, officially. uh, We adopt people outside of our neighborhood all the time, too, because we are very community-based and try to engage people that want to be part of our community. The Neighborhood Association was formed in 1991 in response to some drug and violence activity that started, and we have uh, a mantra, Respect the Neighborhood, which we have signs that we post, that neighbors will post in their windows, and that, that was sort of the starting point of the Neighborhood Association. We've evolved quite a bit since then my background and I'll tell you a lot about the tools that we use to engage our community in the next round of questions a little bit about me I am a working mother I have two kids two boys a two-year-old and a six-year-old and I also my husband is a social worker and he's worked in San Francisco with inner city youth for a long time the neighborhood association is all we are our neighborhood association is a non-profit organization We're all volunteers. We all are working full-time. And so we do this kind of on the side as as something we we enjoy in in hopes to build
5: community. Hi, my name is Carol Mo. I am a safety network program community organizer. I primarily work in the Sunset. Um, My nonprofit is based at Sunset Neighborhood Beacon Center. Um, in our room, there's another Safety Network community organizer, El Harris, sitting back there. So uh, let me talk about a little bit about the Safety Network program. Safety Network program is a citywide program, and we have a community organizer based in each San Francisco neighborhood. Um, for, there are four main components of each organizer's work. One is to build community, build community capacity. Um, Another is sometimes we uh, act as advocates for our communities and we try to use community based uh, strategies to to, uh, improve public safety and another role that we assume is we try to uh, communicate to various city departments to increase access to social services. Um, I have brochures here. If you want to learn more about the safety network program, um, you can take a brochure. And um, how I relate, how my work relates to a neighborhood association is that a lot of times we would go to various neighborhood associations to try to collect community input um, on public safety issues. And um, we would relate that back to Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice. Some of the projects that I've been involved with um, that relates to community building um, is Sunset Community Festival, um, a fundraising campaign for the Friends of Sunset Playground. Um, so I kind of have my post on a lot of neighborhood groups and different projects. And um, I a lot of times serve as a liaison to various groups. So that's how I relate to um, a neighborhood association.
0: Uh, For those of you that came in late, my name is Una Gillis-Weil. I'm the program director for San Francisco SAFE, and I'm here as a moderator today for this workshop. Um, I just want to get a sense from the audience how many of you, just raise your hand, are part of a neighborhood association or a part of a neighborhood group. Wow, a lot of you are already. That's great. How many of you um, are interested in maybe starting a group? in your neighborhood. Wonderful. Okay, that's really helpful for us to know. Um, Right now I'm going to ask the panel a question um, about the tools and strategies that they use, and then I encourage you all to think about questions that you have in terms of what you'd like to hear from this group of experts that we've brought together today. And then we'll we'll turn it over to you in, in a minute to answer your questions. So for the panel, um, what tools and strategies do you use for ensuring that your organization remains vital
1: and engaged with the community that you represent? Cheryl, you want to start off? Okay. Um, having been a kindergarten teacher for several years, I do a lot of things project and theme-based, very event-driven. So since our organization began last November, we've had several events, and that's been the way that we keep the everybody coming to the table, we're moving towards a goal and it's event driven for the most part. We've done um, several events including a recognition dinner that we did with the schools in the area where we recognized students who were on time for school for a month and we had over 250 students participate in that. We did a spring dance in the Western Edition. Because our community has had so many issues with violence, we felt it very important to create events that focused on the positive and gave people an opportunity to come together. So the spring dance, we had 200 students participate, but we had more than 50 adult volunteers that came from the different, from the merchants, from the neighborhood associations, from the city, all these different partners that are part of the collaborative. We did an art show where we featured artwork and we had, again, close to 200 people participate in that. Uh, youth showcase at City Hall where we had more than 300 students participate and their families come out. Um, a field day with, again, more than 300 students participate with their various organizations. We just did a black and white ball which was very Inspirational because it was multi generational, it was very family oriented, and we had over 200 children come with their families, their grandparents, their significant others. It was just great to see this diversity in the room. And then um, we did a backpack, give. we did two backpack giveaways where we gave over 1,300 backpacks away. So with that, we kind of focus on the event, and then everything else falls in line from there because it's about community building and in Organizing the event, we have to look at what the event is and how it's relevant to the community and what's the purpose, why are we doing it, what do we want to have be accomplished from that. So everything is very project-driven for us.
2: Okay, with the Merced Extension Triangle Neighborhood Association, we come out with a newsletter quarterly, and it's in the beginning of February, May, August, and November. Our meetings coincide two weeks after we meet on the second Tuesday of those months. What we do is have an agenda that usually lasts two hours. We always have, always invited the captain of the Taravel Police Station, shows up, or representative. We try to have our supervisor currently as Sean Ellsburn attend and he usually attends. And then we have various topics of interest uh, and invite people from, for example, the PUC, from the Department of Public Works, DPT, Muni, to come to our meetings to make presentations based on um, topics of interest that are currently um, projected. What we do, we start off with a, within, within the newsletter, we have several sections in the newsletter. We have a safety issue uh, section, we have a community watch section, and we have a lot of, pro- one of the things we pride ourselves on is having quite a good relationship with the agencies in San Francisco. We've had over the first seven years of our organization, we've had no less than 13 major projects in our neighborhood running from uh, the creation of the uh, Head Street stairs to a new sidewalk. Uh, We were able to get a grant through uh, three agencies, BART, DPW, as well as um, Caltrans. To put a, a bridge, put sidewalks over the bridge on St. Charles. We have a sewer project coming up in our neighborhood. So we try to do projects, and, and we have several projects on the board to continue. The key is communication. We communicate through our newsletter. We have meetings held, and we're very lucky. We have a meeting hall, it's an amphitheater meeting hall called the Palmetto Meeting Hall. Our next meeting is November 13th. You're all invited to attend. We have dues of $15 a year, that's all, but we keep our meetings inclusive. You do not have to be a METNA member to come to the meeting. Anybody from the public can come and we listen to everybody and everybody has a chance to speak. The key to our organization is keeping things positive and non-political. We do not endorse candidates and we do not support uh, ballot measures because we find that if we do that, We're going to divide the community. People have various viewpoints on issues. So, what we do is we keep it open, we listen to everybody, and we're inclusive.
3: Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods has a slightly different uh, tack because it's citywide. So, um, um, we focus, as I said before, we focus on the big ticket issues. Most of the issues that we deal with are planning, zoning, housing, various land use issues. Our most active committee is the Land Use and Housing Committee. Um, One of the things that our our members, we we focus on things that our committees bring to us and our member organizations bring to us. Many of the member organizations neighboring the Market Octavia area recently brought us um, their concerns with proposed zoning in Market Octavia, therefore we looked at this particular geographical area with a lot of detail and we took on um, a lot of the zoning issues that were included in Market Octavia area plan. Um, so we focus on issues mainly if it's in your neighborhood, it's usually going to somehow impact the rest of the city. Um, we uh, we meet with the mayor um, on, a, on an irregular basis. So if you are a delegate or even just a member of a CSFN member organization, you can come to these personal meetings with the mayor. Uh, we also um, uh, endorse ballot measures. When they fall into certain categories, for instance, bond measures, anything to do with neighborhood issues, and, um, and school, anything to do with schools. Um, thank you. and That's it.
4: So the question is tools and strategies to engage your community. And I want to just pose a question to you. Who is in your community? I mean, the first question you have to answer for yourselves is, who is in your community? And just think about that for a second because in our neighborhood, we actually have a very eclectic group of people. We have, of course, residents, homeowners, renters. Our residents range from starving artists, starving students, to corporate America, to very rich people. We have this dynamic range of residents. We have a large merchant corridor on Divisadero and Fulton Street. We have a lot of churches in our neighborhood. We have a lot of um, community-based organizations, CBOs. A lot of, we have a new mental health facility coming in. We have a lot of drug rehab facilities in our neighborhood. So we've got this, and, and we have a lot of schools. We've got private schools. We've got public schools. So we have this really dynamic, and I think it's, it's a luxury, it's a beautiful uh, neighborhood because we have this wide variety of um, people in our community. So my question to you is who is in your community? And you can start thinking through this session, how do you engage those people? How are you, what tools are you going to take out of this that you're not using today to engage that community? So we, as a neighborhood association, have a lot of standard tools, but I'm also going to try to connect it to how it relates to those people, those those residents in our neighborhood. For example, we have a newsletter um, that's been produced for a long time. It's an eight-page newsletter produced every other month. You're welcome, and Una is actually on the front cover because she is helping us start a Neighborhood Watch program. Our neighborhood recently, I've lived in my neighborhood for 20 years. We've not, I've never seen, recently we've been plagued by violence, which I know is a citywide problem. And we have, as a result, started a Neighborhood Watch program. We have over 30 blocks. That's a lot of blocks starting Neighborhood Watch. And thank God for uh, Safe and UNA because that organization is really helping us get kickstarted. That's a great way to build community. What is a what's a neighborhood watch? And it's on a block by block level. It's not on a whole territory. It's like you have to go get to know your neighbors. You know, how many of you know your immediate neighbors or your you know people that live two doors down from you? You'd be surprised how many people in your neighborhood don't. And so. Through a Neighborhood Watch program, for example, we're actually making neighbors get to meet each other. That's a great way to build community. Um, So our newsletter, we have a Yahoo group, uh, which is over 600 people, and we make it really easy for people to join the Yahoo group. We have a website where you can just type in your own email address into the website, and you automatically sign yourself up. So I don't have to sign you up to be on our Yahoo group. You can do it quickly and easily through our website. And that's been a very effective tool for us to communicate out to our community. We also just recently launched a wiki. How many of you guys know Wikipedia? Okay, actually not that many of you. Um, less than I thought, but a wiki is i it's – it's I'm very excited about this tool. It's a – imagine a website that everybody in your community could contribute to. That's what a wiki is. And I welcome you to go to our, our, our wiki site. It's NOpna. N-O-P-N-A-W-I-K-I dot O-R-G. Um, Jari is our wiki master. Raise your hand back there. He's the guy that um, sort of birthed it and has uh, taken ownership. And But all of you could contribute. Mo Magic, for example, they're in the Western Edition. They're our community convener, and they don't have a website yet. So what we did is added their information to our website so at least people that are connected on the internet and want to go look for tools um, or agencies to help them can, can get that information. So, pardon, the wiki, the site, it's n-o-p-n-a-w-i-k-i dot So we've got the newsletter, we've got our Yahoo groups, we've got our website, we've got our wiki site. We post flyers for all of our meetings um, at our cafes and our merchants so that for some reason, if you didn't get the newsletter, if you're not on the Yahoo group, you're just walking by, you can read the information about um, the events that we're doing in the neighborhood. And then, of course, there's word of mouth. Um, that you, That's the best way, I think, you know, talking to people is <laughs> the best way to build community. Um, we, we do organize a lot of activities in our neighborhood. And the reason why we're successful in organizing all these activities, and I can't underscore how important this is, is we have uh, a large, uh, what I call a shared leadership organization. Um, All of us are volunteers. There's 11 board members, all of us volunteers, all of us working full time. We have over 60 volunteers in my neighborhood distributing the newsletter. They're on a streetscape committee. They're on a parents group. They're on a safety team. They're, um, They're helping us with marketing and PR. They're helping us with... Reaching out and you know setting up meetings with the mayor. We just we, we also set up meetings with the mayor and our um, our city representatives. So uh, through those organizations and through those volunteers, through those committees, we get a lot of community building because everybody knows somebody else. It's the classic network model. Um, we do have meetings, uh, general meetings for the neighborhood and. Those are we communicate those meetings through the newsletter, through the Yahoo group, through flyers. So we generally get about 70 to 80 people at our at our meetings. Our last meeting had 160 people at it because, uh, unfortunately, the reason the driver was because we had uh, we had some shootings on uh, in our neighborhood, and um, the neighborhood association got a lot of big hitters to our meeting, including the DA's office, the mayor's office, and. Um, The police always come to our meetings, and and Park Station is our um, police station. And they're great; they're very representative. Of they care about us, and and they communicate with us a lot. Uh, So, so those are some of a a few tools we we do things. We have low income housing projects in our neighborhood as well. We've done potlucks, family potlucks, with them. You know, until I got really involved, you don't realize how easy it is to plan To do something, to just organize an event, create a flyer, set a date, you know, tell people about it. There's your event. It's not that tough, really. I mean, maybe it starts out small. We're, we're doing, by the way, you're all invited if you have kids. We just, I, I, I just started this. We just started a um, kids dance party in our neighborhood at Palang Lounge, which Palang Lounge, I don't know if you've heard, is a we're, we're fortunate enough to have. It's one of the new top 10 restaurants in our neighborhood. And they have a dance club in the back. And the owner, we know the owner because we're engaged with our merchants, and pitched the idea of just letting the neighborhood invite the families and let the kids come and dance for three hours, you know, noon to 3 o'clock. It's Sunday, this Sunday, September 9th. I mean, yeah, September 9th tomorrow. Um, you know, and that was something we just came up with. I create a, we created a flyer, posted it, and, you know, last party we had, we had over 30 families there. You know, and that was the first one we did. This one we're expecting to have a lot more people. So, you know, we also organize holiday parties. We have a Halloween party that we do for kids. Kids are a great way to build community because everybody loves kids, for the most part, you know. Um, you know, and, you know, even the bad kids are good kids. You just, and we have, we have, you know, we have our trouble spots. But, you know, um, building community is about communication, and, and as Mark said, it's that's, how do you communicate with those people? And how do you, And that's, I think, a, the most effective tool is figuring out how to communicate and communicate.
5: Thank you. Um, I want to piggyback on her point on kids. Kids is a great way to bring families together. I think um, it's actually one of the most excellent way to bring diverse families together because um, children, they just play with each other and they go to the same school. Um, So, um, the Safety Network and the Sunset Neighborhood uh, Coalition, we have worked together to um, uh, prepare for the Sunset Community Festival, and one of the tools that we use is to try to make the event really fun, really entertaining, and also try to make it culturally appropriate for the community. Um, One of the tools that we use Uh, to try to make it appropriate is that in all of our flyers and outreach materials we would try to translate all of them into all the different languages that our community member would use. And, um, And also we try to build relationships with our local media. I think that is one of the most effective way to let all of our community members know about our events. Um, not only just English but media press. Um, you can build relationship with the local Chinese newspaper or Spanish or you know whatever language that your community may need and that's one of the most effective way to get to um, community members that may be more isolated. Um, and um, I think fundraising campaign is also a great way to build community because um, in our community um, there are playgrounds that are a little bit old and I'm sure there are playgrounds in your community that's a little bit old and that needs to be uh, renovated. And I think playgrounds is a way to bring people together because everybody wants their kids to play in a safe playground and they want a better facilities. So it's it's like a unifying goal that everybody wants. So I think finding a unifying theme and goal is important in community building, Um, I think, and then all of what uh, the other panelists have said are very useful. so. So we've heard from
0: our experts a lot about the successes and the tools and strategies that they use to really engage their communities. And a lot of us, in the beginning raised our hands and said that we were, um, you know, very actively engaged in the community already. And so I think it's a good time right now to talk about some of the challenges that come up. And so I'd love to hear from you all in the audience what you see as challenges, what you'd like to, um, you know, hear our panel give advice to or, you know, just hear your concerns and see what, what we can do to offer you support. Anybody have a question? Yes. I know that the film crew needs us to repeat questions into the mic, so I'm going to ask your patience while I do that. The question raised is, what do we do about burnout in the community when we've had some success in engaging people and then uh, the energy just sort of deflates out? What do we do?
2: I can start with that. I think one of the keys is not meeting too often and also involving a large segment of the community who's interested. What we do is we ask for volunteers, and we don't overburden them. We meet, as I said, we meet quarterly. And the reason we meet quarterly is after about two months, people are eager to meet. But if you meet too often, I think you'll find that there is that burnout. So what we try to do, and we do have emergency meetings, and we we had a, a shopping center, we had an Albertsons that closed, and we had special meetings between the quarterly meetings, well attended, and we had people who were interested in supporting that segment. And what we try to do is be inclusive, involve all segments of our community, and even people outside of the immediate area. And they attend our meetings. And we, again, as I said, we're very positive. But I think the key to this is number one, communication. And number two, not meeting that often, believe it or not, at least with, with our group. With other groups, it may be important to meet you know, every month or so. But I think to avoid the burnout that you're talking about and revitalize, get as many people involved and meet only when it's necessary to meet.
1: And and just as um, someone who came into a community that was really burnt out on having meetings because of the violence and all the issues that have happened in the Western Edition, when we first started up there was some concern about meeting because people feel like you meet all the time and nothing changes and nothing happens, so what's the point of it? And we actually meet pretty regularly, but I think the key is, especially with volunteer organizations, and I think NOPNA has been really good about being able to tap into the resources that are existing. Find out what community-based organizations and what the police department and what the mayor's office or the city has to offer and really try to tap into some people who are actually getting paid to do some of the work that you might need to have done so that you don't burn out the volunteers. Using the volunteers for the event piece, the project piece that actually happens so that they can relish in kind of the joy and the beauty of, oh, this is so great, we have something tangible to show for but for our time, but to take advantage of people who are actually getting paid to do some of that work so that that day-to-day, the tedious kind of the phone calling, the following up, the, the creating the agendas, maybe some of that stuff can be done through somebody else who's already getting paid to do that. Um, a lot of the neighborhoods already have community organizers, like Safety Network, who are doing outreach and support. They're there to do that kind of support. I think you have to first find out what resources are available to you and take advantage of them. There's the Mayor's Office of Community Development. There's the Mayor's Office of Housing. All of these departments have an outreach division or some piece that you can tap into and take advantage of. So I think. Initially, you have to kind of do what's realistic, and you probably can't meet that often, but make the best use of the time that you have to meet and find out what resources are available within the city that you can use to kind of further your agenda.
0: Okay, other questions people have?
6: same people, would tried to get them organized and they just, you know, they weren't, just didn't um, work, mm-hmm. you know? Now we have another organization, I think it's a really good organization, and I think people can succeed, but, you know, we're here, we need help. Um, where do we go for help?
1: Can I just say first off, though, <coughs> that the city, DCYF, has just funded a community convener for Treasure Island, so somebody's already getting paid to actually have convener meetings and to bring the community together, so find out who that organizer is. Well, I can get
4: that information for you right after this meeting, who are the community
1: I'm the sorry, I'm sorry, Department Children, Youth and Families of the City, they're actually paying the Treasure Island Development Housing Initiative, tie is being paid to do um, community convening.
6: Well, that's,
1: that's tie-dye, but. Also. This is a new funding that just came out that they're supposed to be engaging the whole community. So, the, I mean, definitely f- talk to everyone else, but follow up, because they've got money specifically to engage the entire community.
3: Um, I'd just like to uh, add that uh, we up here, we really want to help every every single person and every single neighborhood organization in this room. But we what we need from you is to sign the... Um, the clipboard that's come around, because um, even though you signed in when you registered for this uh, for the workshop, that's going to city government, and they don't share their information with us. So we have no way of contacting you once this this workshop is over, unless you sign in. Um, I particularly, as Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods, would like to have, um, especially those those who said they want to start new organizations or revitalize an organization to get in contact with me or to give me your information personally so that I can help you with that. Um, as to uh, Treasure Island, I'm going to have to pass on that one to somebody else, Because, but I could help you with your organization, not as a specific geographical.
4: I'd also like to address your question, uh, and maybe we need to talk offline, but it's engaging the residents, and I think everything starts as a seed. And any idea, you know, even with our Neighborhood Watch programs on a block-by-block level, what we're doing is getting two or three residents together, and they form critical mass, and they meet, and then they – it's a gathering. it's It's a seed process. You have to water it. You have to. So, if there's three or four of you that are really interested in creating a neighborhood association, set up a meeting, put up a flyer at the coffee shops, and maybe you'll get three more people to join you at that meeting. And then it just you got to nourish it and keep you know flowering. You know, it'll flower if you if you are consistent with your meetings. That's the other thing that um, I wanted to mention is that you need to be you need to have routine set meetings, whether it's quarterly, whether it's every other month, same day, same time of the month or, or whatever it is. So people know when they are. And um, it's, it's about communicating because I'm sure there are lots of other people on the, on the island that want to do exactly what you want to do and you just need to, to get to them and communicate out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also start a Yahoo group and add one email at a time to the Yahoo group, I'd be well. I'd, I'd be more than happy to share with you on how we started a Yahoo group. I mean, we didn't start with 600 people. You know, it started with five, and it's grown. And as a matter of fact, our Yahoo group has grown by over 200 people in the last year, primarily because we've made it easy for people to sign up, and also we've been promoting the Neighborhood Association. We have flyers up everywhere, and, and we're doing a lot of um, value added activities for the neighborhood including parties and what Cheryl said about finding Daniel Homsey do you know Daniel Homsey okay he, yeah well and and um, i know some other people that are my husband is on the treasure island whatever advisory committee or something like that so they're the treasure islands a, an, an area the city's really investing in as you know and um, You know, so I think you can definitely leverage resources.
2: If I can briefly answer Becky's question, this is for everybody. Number one, stay positive. Number two, listen to your constituency. That's that's very important. Choose one or two issues. And then I think the key to the whole thing is find somebody, if it's Department of Public Works or uh, any organization, uh, SFP, UC, whomever, and find, get a liaison there and invite them to the meeting. And when you do, don't just have a complaint session, really come up with a problem and say, we're gonna work together to solve this problem. Here's what we can do. How can you help us? How can we work together? And I think that's the key. Organizations love coming to our meetings because it's not a complaint. Occasionally they'll hear complaints, but we try to keep it positive and we try to offer solutions, and we work with the agencies to get things done in our community. and I think that's the key to it.:
0: Yes: Well, we were going to have volunteers that were going to bring them up, but I don't see the volunteers, so we're doing it this way.) <laughs> Great question. So the question posed was, uh, you know, how do we engage the young professionals in our communities? How do we really um, pass the baton, so to speak, from people who have been very um, engaged in the organizing effort to the younger people that are coming up as a new generation?
4: We organize block parties where we have uh, bands come, you know, that are basically we have parties. And, and people yeah. come out for parties. We have, you know, party. that's that's the bottom line. They come out. We have barbecue. They can go. We don't, you know, I didn't say this here, but they can go get a beer at the local corner store. And, I, you know, we have apartments and condos all over our neighborhood. It's the same thing. I'm telling you, you have an event where there's music and there's food. People will come to the event. It will. They will. They just will. And, you know, maybe it won't be... 200 people, maybe it'll be 50 people, but the next time you do it, you'll get another 100 people there. And you know, and I, I have to share a story that's not quite related, but sort of related, because we we do we have block parties every year, um, and they're not set, but we have them either in May or September or something like that. And this last one, we our block parties are a great way for us to get everybody. We get the 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 starving students, we get the musicians, we get the artists, we get the families, we get the, um, you know, people from low-income housing coming, we get the corporate America, you know, we get everybody at the block parties, and, and it's because we do a variety of things. We have the bounce house for the kids, we have the music, we have barbecue, you know, you can do free food. But in our last one, um, this guy named Dizzy Hips, who's a hula hoop, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he's great. He was just riding his bike by the block party. He's a hula hoop guy. And he had like all of his hula, he was on his bike with like 30 hula hoops on his neck, on his arms, riding his bike. And he's like, hey, can I join? And all of a sudden, he just had all the kids. You know, he brought even more people out because he was doing it and he had a microphone and we gave him a microphone. And he just, you know, it was a spontaneous celebration. And ever since we've, he doesn't even live in our neighborhood, but we've brought him back. We've invited him to our block parties. So, uh, you know, have an event. You could, you could do yo-yos. I think it's more interesting. They have a yo-yo. And I was thinking if you just invested a little bit of money, handed out some free yo-yos. Yeah. So you've got a family. But it's not going to bring in the group that's missing. Well, m- music, music brings in people. You know, young professionals, young, young people like music. They, they love free food. So those people.
2: If I may comment just briefly not only the young professionals, but also people. We live in a multilingual city, and I think the key to success of any community organization is making sure that you involve every segment of the community in your organization. We try to do that. We're looking for um, bilingual services, and it's very difficult to find because it's very costly. But we try to be inclusive. We're not exclusive. We. As again, as I said, we have members who pay fifteen dollars a year to join our association, but that is not co- that 's not exclusively who comes to our meeting. Anybody in the community, we have people who own homes who live outside of San Francisco who come to our community meetings. so I think it 's important to include everybody and try to get as broad a range of individuals in your in, at your meetings. I think that's part of the success. How you go about doing that, we can go around the room and I'm sure everybody has suggestions and ideas. But the key is being inclusive. Thanks, Mark. Back
0: there in the back. Uh, the question is, how do you break through the wall? That's a great question. How do you break through the wall of uh, associations that have built up around issues that maybe don't reach out to the whole community they serve?
3: Um, well, uh, not just issues, but it's actually a cult of personality mm-hmm. that I, I believe she was speaking to. Um, two of the main things that you can use are: look at the bylaws of the organization. Is there are there term limits? What do the bylaws state? Um, and, and secondly, the, uh, the actual meeting uh, itself, if, if, assuming there are regular meetings, um, what kind of structure is there? Are there do, you, do you go by you know, parliamentary procedure? Do you use Robert's Rules of Order? Um, if you'd like, there are uh, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods in the audience is our parliamentarian, and she actually has uh, Robert's Rules in brief. Uh, a few copies that she would be glad to um, sell you (laughs) for a very low price, I believe about seven dollars. They're invaluable. Robert's Rules are some of the most interesting things I've ever read. It's it's not intimidating whatsoever. And um, if you would like a copy, they're right here. It's a very slim volume, but it works. I I think that those two two tools, the bylaws and um, Robert's Rules Parliamentary Procedure, would be just going at it legally without going and saying, pointing fingers at people, which is something you really don't want to do.
1: And can I just say, as somebody who for 10 years worked in the community and didn't really have a plug into any neighborhood association or organization, um, the key, especially in an area where we have a lot of low income housing and subsidized housing, where traditionally they don't organize neighborhood associations and their voices are not really heard in the agendas that are being shaped for that neighborhood or that community. The key for me was really just engaging with the community and not really needing the buy in of the city or of the neighborhood associations, and being happy with saying, you know what, this is an issue here, and this is how we as this group plan to move about it and move on it, and working with the people that wanted to work with us. I think. Now, at this point, I'm much more into the the formal names and having these organizations and the associations, mainly because I have to be. But as a resident and as a parent and as a person that was living in the neighborhood, initially it became, let's do this as this group of people. And as you begin to do that, it kind of forces the neighborhood associations and the city to really begin to take notice of what you're doing. Because if you're saying that this is an issue and the people that aren't a part of that group are saying that it's not, that this is the other issue right now, and you build that momentum and you do that work, it kind of forces them to kind of say, okay, you know what, we have to acknowledge this group or these people and invite them to come in. So I guess you have to kind of figure out what that issue is that's not being worked on or looked at or being acknowledged in that group and um, organize outside of it.
2: Just briefly... I agree with what Judy said about the bylaws. When we created METNA, one of the things we did was we set term limits. No one can hold our, – our offices are for two years, and no one can hold an office for more than two consecutive two-year terms. The reason for that is you don't want an organization to become synonymous with an individual or – an ideology. You want to keep it broad-based. So what we do is we have elections every other year. We have nominations in August, and then at our November meeting, we have the election every every even year, except for the treasurer. We want to keep the treasurer, uh, because that's important to have continuity there. But other than that, every officer must vacate that spot after two years, after four years. So that, I think, is a key point. The other thing is Make individual contacts with those individuals who you think either have a hidden agenda or something else that is not aligned to what you're doing. Talk to them individually outside of the setting and invite them to attend to be positive. And I think the key is, again, communication and to be positive. And I think if you can do that and get them along the lines of of what your organization is doing, you'll, you'll be ahead of the game.
0: I think we have time for one more question. Actually, you have to repeat the question. You can repeat if you want. No, no, no. no. I wanted to answer it. So the question raised is, how does neighborhood association or neighborhood group um, come together to support the seniors as they're aging and and, you know take care of them?
4: We actually have a senior. We have a couple of senior citizen homes in our neighborhood, and we have the same exact problem. And through Neighborhood Watch, on a block by block, you you got to get to the block by block level. And this is where I think SAFE plays a huge role. It's a resource I didn't understand until just recently how, how vital it could be for us. Um, so, and it's on a, you, you basically find a block captain, somebody who's willing to we- organize two or three other people, get a meeting together either at their home or at a place that's close, you know, th- where, where five to ten people could meet. And then you start talking about what are the particular issues that you have on that block, You know, in your case it may be the seniors seniors living on that block or, um, you know, in other cases it may be people want to do a garage sale, a block garage sale, which by the way is another great community building tool, um, or, you know, a block party or something like that. But Neighborhood Watch is a great tool to organize at at a block by block level to address specific concerns. And the seniors is, you know, it's a, it is a big concern. And we're, we're doing that on a, we have a particular couple of blocks where we're doing that, where we've identified seniors, we've identified homes with pets, you know, so that in a case of an emergency, um, there are other people on the block that know, that are assigned to go check, you know, so you do the phone tree and all that. And, and SAFE has a great process for helping you get that started.
0: Uh, A bunch of questions, and so I'm concerned we only have three more minutes, but we can go a little bit later, I think. It's fine. Uh, You had your hand up. Yeah. So the question is how to bring together people from different
3: organizations to, yeah. to really organize.
0: Judy, um, go ahead.
3: On your specific geographical location, um, Northwest Bernal Alliance is one of the most active organizations, and they have an incredible outreach to merchants and neighbors and all sorts of different uh, entities. So I, I, personally, I would first go to them. Um, second, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods is the mother of all city organizations, and that's this is it. Your, and um, I'd like to emphasize once more, I cannot get in touch with you unless you sign in to the uh, sh- the clipboard that should be <laughs> going around. Um, please sign it. Please put your uh, your name and address and uh, phone number, or not address, but uh, neighborhood, in there.
1: And, and I do want to just stress that the city through the Department of Children, Youth, and Their Families has funded, I think, for just about every a big population of neighborhoods, this new community convener grant where they're actually paying someone who is supposed to be at least on a pretty regular basis holding convening meetings where they're bringing city departments and neighborhood associations and residents and tenants associations together. Like, that's a resource that people need to tap into because it's not supposed to be for a set population. It's supposed to be for a neighborhood. And that money has, as of July 1st, is out there and people are being paid to do that. And this is your opportunity to maybe hold them accountable for that.
5: Karen? I just have to agree with Cheryl. There are two programs that kind of function similarly. One is focused on public safety issues. So I would highly recommend that people tap into the safety network organizer in the local neighborhood. They have like a host of relationships with merchants, city departments, neighborhood groups, um, churches. So they are a really great resource for you uh, for relationship building purposes. And also the convener, convener is based in every single neighborhood and they're going to be focused on youth and families. So these two programs can help your organization a lot in terms of relationship building and making connections.
0: All right, that alarm was our sound that we have come to the end of our session and I, and I just want to in a couple of um, closing remarks really stress that um, I think it's a belief of, of this whole neighborhood empowerment network and all of us up here and I hope throughout the day this will really be driven home that it it begins in the community, you know, you can outreach to all these other organizations and city departments and get the support that you need, but it actually comes back to the community. And so I really want you all to leave here today um, you know, with the tools and the strategies that you need to go forth and, and, and do the right thing in your communities and build strength and build power. But it really is up to all of us to continue to build community and organize. And, and I thank you all for your participation today. We're going to stay here for a little bit, at least I am. I think all of us can to answer any other questions that people have as, as they're leaving. Thank you all very much.
2: I think several of us have, uh, I have a newsletter. I think people have things to distribute if you're interested so please come forward
3: And Robert's Rules in Brief is right here SFGTV San
6: Francisco Government Television